Welcome to podcast number 19. Why me? Why suffering? Why not? All right, I know the title is a little strange. Today I am going to focus on the why. Why does the Lord allow and at times provide for mental illness? What benefits or purposes spiritually could be derived from an illness that makes it very difficult to be spiritual? Now, I'm sure that many people can give me several reasons as to the question of why not, and why not me. I could probably actually give several myself. I don't think that anyone who has the illness and is suffering really sees much value in the obscurity, pain, and suffering of depression, anxiety, bipolar, and so many others. Suffering by its very nature is undesirable to our mortal condition. Our bodies and souls seek peace, not pain, and happiness, not anguish. We are built to seek out happiness. We have a tendency to rebel when an illness or anything anything really comes our way that steals our serenity without permission. We feel angry, pickpocketed, if someone has forced us into a prison without a trial. Losing our freedoms to a mental illness just doesn't seem fair, just, or even as though it should be a part of the mortal experience, especially when we are doing our part to keep the commandments. I think that one of the great questions of life is, why are things so difficult for those who are living the gospel? Now, shouldn't the Lord reward us for doing good? Shouldn't we be the happiest, most blessed people on the earth? Wouldn't that show to the rest of the world that this is the Lord's church? I would think so. But it seems that the Lord works in a variety of mysterious ways for the benefit of his people. Now, I think in some sense we understand that the Lord must allow agency on this earth for people to do evil things. Forcing everyone to do good was Lucifer's beguiling plan from the beginning. Now, we don't like it, and especially when it happens to us, but we can at least have an explanation of agency. In some ways, it is rational that the Lord allow agency of everyone, even to do things that would hurt us. Surely, we wish that evil would only persecute evil, But we know that Lucifer runs the forces of evil, and that really wouldn't be conducive to uh, his forces. We know that there are often lasting effects of those evil acts, and they contribute in many ways to difficult bouts of mental illness. Now, the question I have often tried to answer is how much we really knew about what we would face upon the earth in the pre-earth life. Did we truly accept the fact that some of us would be abused, injured mentally and physically, come to homes where love was lacking and neglect frequent? Did we know the exact trials we would face? Did we agree to them, trusting that the Father could work with us, even when we were weakened by our own trials? Elder Oaks, in his recent last, this last April 2020 conference, um, noted the following, and this is his quote, In the council in heaven, all the spirit children of God were introduced to the Father's plan including its mortal consequences and trials, its heavenly helps, and its glorious destiny. We saw the end from the beginning. That is the end of his quote. If we truly saw the end from the beginning, then we must have had at least some understanding of what we would face personally, because it is the many personal stories that make up the end from the beginning. Now that I've kind of waded into the territory of omniscience and an omniscient God, I know there are many people who say, how can God be truly omniscient? How can he know about everything that I will do? How can he see the exact path 
the exact things we would do and face. I mean, doesn't this mean in essence that he caused it, that there's some kind of destiny, that he allowed it? Doesn't this indicate destiny, not a foreordination? As I've read various authors and tried to reconcile the idea of agency with the omniscience of God, my conclusion is that he plans for us to be righteous. And we see this in his blessings to specific individuals in the scriptures and even in the calling of Judas, who eventually betrayed the Christ. He has faith in us and expects us to use our agency wisely. However, he also understands that we have agency. And so he also provides for all other pathways we might take. He plans for each deviation and deterrent so that he might continue to provide for exaltation despite our faults and failures. Otherwise, one failure might condemn us. So he plans for all eventualities, not just a single pathway. Now, the real question is, why is all of this important to mental illness? Why is this important for me to know about the omniscience of God and that he provides for all of the pathways? The short answer is that if he has planned for all variations of the path, then there's always a pathway to exaltation, no matter the illness or issue that arises in our lives. Meaning that when we deviate, the offer is always there to return and still claim exaltation. Certainly we are not obliged to take the opportunity in the moment, but it is always there. If we don't take the opportunity, he provides for another, and another, and another, until we run out of opportunity. But he will always provide them until that moment. Now, judgment must come, and opportunities do run out, as one-third of the heaven knows all too well. But not until we've been given every chance, as they were. Our Father knew very well what we would pass through in our lives, and he planned for it. And that includes those mental illnesses brought about by another's actions, or even simply by genetics, or even by both. He also planned illnesses and other weaknesses in this life for us so that we might learn necessary sanctifying lessons. He also knows what it takes to be part of a celestial life, and that we must learn necessary lessons to be able to operate within the boundaries, laws, and covenants of the kingdom of God. Now, to better understand why the Lord allows and at times specifically gives mental illness to individuals, I think it's important to divide the illness kind of into a couple different groups. The first will be the mental illness that comes through agency or actions of another, and maybe genetics. And the other is second mental illness that comes by gift. Yes, I said the word gift. We often associate a gift as something associated with joy and reward. Now, I'm going to endeavor to prove that mental illness can be and is a gift to those who will see it as such and act accordingly. Now, I know that the difficulty of viewing the illness in that way, especially when you're going through dark and painful days, but this illness can be a powerful gift with a little faith. First, mental illness brought about by the actions of another, intentional or not. Mental illness through the actions of another is difficult in a couple of ways. The first is the injury brought about by the actions of another and our tendency to seek justice for the injustice. The second part of it is the mental harm and lasting wound incurred in the soul simply where justice that justice can't reach. There are many types of actions that lead to mental illness in all of its forms. We often associate actions of evil intent as the kind of injury that leads to mental illness. 
So abuse, physical and emotional, emotional and sexual in nature, murder, rape, physical injury of the body or property. We also associate evil actions taken upon those we love as an injury to ourselves. That can also lead to depression and its sister illnesses. This is especially true when the act is committed by a loved one or an evil intent is openly manifest. Now, there are also other types of injury we often refer to as accidents, meaning that no real evil intent was present. Something like a car accident would be of that nature. Sometimes we don't always associate what we refer to as accidents as causing similar hurt, harm, and pain to the soul and mind, but they do. Accidents may not have necessarily the evil intent, but they can create similar physical harm and mental illness. I think that we can at least rationally understand, in this sense, the need for the Father to allow the evil agency, but sometimes it can be very difficult to understand the more personal aspect of agency. It is far easier to understand agency when the actions affect someone we don't know or love. However, when the agency aligns itself with our own life or the life of someone that we love, we often wonder why God would allow such a thing to happen, especially when we are really trying to do what is right. In other words, why must I suffer? I understand evil practicing evil upon another evil person, but shouldn't the Lord protect the righteous? I know this can be a difficult question to answer in a way that one might take comfort. Um, The truth is that the Lord does actually protect us a great deal from many injuries that would occur because we are doing what we should be. The problem is that an accident or injury or hurt that never occurred would never be known to us unless the Lord specifically showed it to us by revelation. I believe that when we get to the other side, we will see more perfectly how many injuries and injustices we avoided by the Lord intervening on our behalf. So when we are living the gospel and our agency intersects with another person's agency, then perhaps we might think of the event as more purposefully allowed for our good and even the good of others. Now, yes, I understand that the Lord has to allow for allow evil for judgment to be decisive. But I don't believe that is the only reason that something happens in our lives. The Lord has said specifically that all things will work together for our good. If he he has allowed it, then it can work for our good. I know that there are going to be many events in our lives that are going to be difficult to reconcile with this idea, especially where the crime or injury was heinous. But I believe it to be true. Why do I believe it? There are several reasons, but the most compelling are the atonement and exaltation itself. The atonement was not only for sinners, but also for the injured. The Lord in his suffering was allowed to see both the darkness of the sinner and the injury of the innocent together, so that he could fully understand the sin and heal both the sinner and the innocent. The sinner has need of some steps towards repentance before they can be given healing. The innocent need only ask for it. I found it to be given liberally and openly by the Lord to those who are innocent. The healing is often so complete for the innocent, it is as if the event never happened. I've also found that often innocent find compassion for those who have injured them through the healing process. One of the main reasons why I believe the Lord allows agencies to intersect the righteous is that he has prepared a pathway of healing for them. Through that pathway, not only does the innocent victim gain valuable experience, 
but often the generous gift of charity and love. And charity is exactly what is required for exaltation. I am not saying that the experience of being an innocent victim is easy in any way. And I'm not saying that the healing will come immediately or even miraculously. I am saying that it will come. And in the process, the Lord can and will make the victim more celestial and exalted, and a greater understanding of the atonement will occur. The same is true for those who experience mental illness without an outward contributing cause. The only difference is that they will need to come to the realization that the weakness was granted specifically by the Lord to them. Many of us know well the scripture, Ether 12. I give unto men weaknesses that they might be humble, and my grace is sufficient for all men that humble themselves before me. For if they humble themselves before me and have faith in me, then I will make weak things become strong unto them. The Lord gives weaknesses built into our mortal experiences. I doubt that anyone would say different given the state of human affairs, but he does not do so randomly. Each weakness in every is given well, each weakness in every case, and yes, you may have more than one weakness, is given as a specific tutorial for the individual. So if you're going to say, Why me? you might want to ask, Why specifically me? What is the purpose of this mental illness? Now here's my soapbox. We were not sent to the earth for a vacation. We were not sent to experience just a little bit of pain amongst a myriad of sunny, beautiful, pain-free days. The earth is meant to be a testing and training experience. If you consider how few our days are in mortality and the length of our pre-earth life and our eventual resurrected life, you will find this mortal training ground to be the most important, compressed, compact experience we will ever have. We are qualifying for Godship. We're not qualifying for a simple enlistment as a creation. If you've ever wondered why members of the church seem to have more hardship, more difficulty, more training, if you will, it is because we have covenanted to be trained. In other words, when we signed our membership into the church of baptism, we didn't sign up to live a carefree life. We signed up for boot camp, and not the enlisted kind. We signed up for the Navy SEAL of trainings. We are asking for Godship, and in so doing, we are asking for the necessary training to become one. Those who are not members of the church have not yet signed up, and thus, thus the Lord has not begun their training. And until they sign up, he cannot do so. The Lord can encourage them to sign up. Yes, sometimes he does so quite dramatically, but it's not part of their training, only to lead them to it. So why would the Lord allow me, you, your child, your friend to have a mental illness? It is because he has found you worthy to receive the training necessary to become God. Yes, it is a gift that I am sure we do not fully understand in this life, but we will, and we will be grateful for the gift of weakness. I am now quite grateful for my experiences and the training my mental illness, although at the time I doubt I showed any real gratitude for it. The Lord has now asked me to suffer through another very painful set of autoimmune diseases. Why? Because I signed up for it. I asked for it through my prayers. I want to be like him. And so I have been blessed with another illness. I do not always see it as a blessing, especially when the pain doesn't allow for sleep or work. Did I ask for this specific disease? No, and I doubt that I would have. That is why the Lord chooses, and we do not. When we were baptized, and then later when we had partaken of the covenants of the temple, we chose to sacrifice all that we have and are to become as God now is. 
the basic principle of those covenants is that we place everything on the altar of the Lord and he takes what he wants and decides what's best for us. We hold nothing back and neither does he. By the way, it is unlikely that our tests are going to be in areas of strength. Our tests are likely to come in areas where we need significant work. I said in earlier, earlier that I consider my illness a gift, and I still believe that it will bring me joy and a reward both in this life and the next. Have I seen the fruits of the illness? Yes, in many ways that sometimes I can't explain, and I hold many of those experiences as very personal and sacred. How do we make our illness a gift? The answer was actually in the scripture that I read. Humility and faith. This means that we recognize the Lord in the gift and that we are willing to accept the illness as long as the Lord sees fit. This doesn't mean that we don't, this means that we don't complain, but we do ask for relief as often as we need it. It means that we are honest with the Lord and we don't hold back anything. One of the blessings of my illness was that I learned to pray honestly and effectively. What does it mean to complain versus speaking with the Lord honestly? Complaint implies a lack of gratitude, a lack of trust in the Lord and his timing, and a desire to remove the weakness no matter the detriment to our own eternal life. We don't care what it costs us. We just want it gone so we can move on with our life. We would prefer comfort over expending our efforts. We would prefer the easy path instead of the rewarding one. To speak honestly with the Lord is to trust in him and his timing, no matter if you are healed tomorrow or at death. It is to tell him how you feel and what you desire with the caveat that you will accept anything he provides with gratitude. Certainly you can express your desire to be healed, but not at the expense of exaltation. You listen and you learn from him as best you can, and at times you will pray more earnestly, just as the Savior did in the Garden of Gethsemane. Now I've been in depths of darkness where sometimes prayers simply can't be uttered and where hopelessness overwhelms the soul. Sometimes the simple words, I need help, is all that can be said. And that is enough. The pathway to learning will be difficult, trying, exhausting, overwhelming, and most of all, defeating to the soul. Sometimes you'll need to rest and recharge. So be it, just as long as when you're rested, you get up and move forward. Now one final note about this. I've saved the best for last, I guess, in the sense. Depression provides one more great blessing to those who suffer. Now, I didn't find this in the scriptures till much later in my life, and I actually wished I had known it at the time. If you look in Mark 14, 32, you will notice a footnote to a Joseph Smith translation. If you read that translation, you will find an interesting passage. And they, his apostles, came to a place which was called Gethsemane, which was a garden. And the disciples began to be sore amazed and to be very heavy and to complain in their hearts, wondering if this be the Messiah. The Lord and the Father allowed the disciples to experience a part of the suffering of the atonement of the Savior. They certainly could not have experienced the entire weight, but it was sufficient for them to understand a portion of what the atonement was and the suffering. If you read it carefully, it sounds eerily similar to depression and the effects of a mental illness. It is my opinion that depression and other mental illnesses are similar in many ways to what the Savior suffered in the garden. So if you suffer with this illness, you have been invited by the Savior of the world to understand better a portion of the atonement in a way that many others will never understand. I actually hope that that brings you much closer to him. That is all for today. 
And as always, remember, the Lord requires the fight, and then he can do his part. We'll talk to you next time.